chapter 8, and let me see where I closed out the thing that said where I was, so I have to open it back up. 825. And I believe that's page 15 if you were following along on my notes, <laughs> which I doubt you are. Alrighty, I think I found it. You know, this ain't easy to find. I've, for chapter 8, i got like 22 pages of notes, so then i got to go find it, you know. Oh, the last one, I think I had like 30-some for that uh, Sermon on the Mount. That was, uh, that was rich text. Okay, 24, we left off with uh, uh, the crowd had come around. Jesus had just told people that, you know, with the cost of following him, if you'll remember. And then he hops in a boat and... <laughs> Starts to head out across the the lake or the sea. Yeah. Eh, actually, it's a big lake. Uh, but they head out across the Sea of Galilee, and people get into boats and follow him. The one account says so. He says the cost of following me, so they follow him. And then this giant storm comes up after he tells them about the cost of following me. And uh, what it says is there arose a great storm. Um, and we'll pick up on twenty five. So the storm's coming. We are with seasoned fishermen who know who know what a bad storm is, and they know they are in trouble. Uh, as this storm is raging and they're trying to bail the water out of the boat, they are in real danger of sinking, and Jesus is sleeping snug as a bug in the back on a big pillow. Uh, he's out like a light, and so they did the wise thing. They woke him up and saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. Uh, as I said, most of these men are seasoned fishermen. Uh, they knew that they were in serious danger. This wasn't an overreaction. This was, oh no, we're drowning. Uh, if you, well, that's what I've always said. If I tell my I think I told you last week, I tell Cheryl and I tell Lauren, I said, you know when to be afraid. When you look at me and you see that I'm afraid, then you'll be afraid. Uh, uh, when you're... <laughs> basically they're saying we're dying we're going down there's nothing they could do there was no tricks of the trade they dropped the sail i mean they put the sail up they sailed into the way they did everything they could do there are no more tricks no maneuvers no options we're dying uh the only option left jesus. is jesus christ <laughs> and you know there's nothing wrong with taking care of the other options first i mean you know god gives you abilities um you know, when you come to a red light, you put the brake on. You don't say, Jesus, stop my car. You know, you, you put the brake on. Unless the brake don't yeah, work. Yeah, <laughs> but when the brake don't work, and you try the emergency brake and the transmission, then Jesus, you know, yeah. Uh, well, if you were like smart like my wife, you would just pray before you drove. And, yeah, she does it every time we get in the car. And bless her heart. I, I guess because she's driving with me. I was about to ask her. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that. It, it, oh it, it could be the fact that she's sitting next to me that she's closer to Jesus when I'm driving. But anyway, so they wake <laughs> Jesus up, who's in a sound sleep. She sits in the back, too. <laughs> Pillows, <laughs> football helmet. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I got to say, when she drives, man, there's like knuckle marks on the dashboard where I am. I just, yeah. We just stopped doing it where I ride with her unless she's bringing me home from the hospital or to the hospital the only times i'm a passenger driving. <laughs> i'm sorry about that anyway uh they wake jesus up the storm is raging i mean it is a, a hurricane 
And he says to them, why are you afraid? Well, because we're dying. Uh, you men of little faith. And he goes right after their faith. Um, then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. I always imagine him laying right back down and going back to sleep. <laughs> In my mind, yeah, it just... Why don't you wake me up? Yeah, like, is that what you needed? Okay, you know. Uh, it, what's important here? It, it's kind of neat. It doesn't say that the storm weakened, that it dissipated. It stopped immediately. You've never been in a storm in your life where it just went and it just shut off. And the sun came out. Yeah, all of a sudden the birds are singing, the sun's out, and it just it went from a raging tempest to a peaceful tranquility in an instant. A, a, a sea of glass. Now, I've often told you, why would Jesus say to them, you men of little faith? Because of all the people on the planet, these guys in this boat should have had the most faith of anybody walking on the planet because they had seen time and time again what Jesus... I mean, he just cured a leper, man, just like that. I mean, he's expecting something from what they've seen. Um, you know, don't translate this to you or to someone you know being in the boat and going, help. I mean, yeah. uh, these guys should have done better. Uh, fear is what should have been better. I'm not saying they shouldn't have woke him up. I'm just saying the fear shouldn't have been there. And Jesus uh, is right there. So. You know what? When you could see him, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and he's right there. So if, you know, if I'm in a boat with Jesus that's about to sink, and that boat sinks. God wants it to sink because Jesus is in it. And he will, he'll bring me up out of the bottom if he needs to. Or if it's my time to go, then it's my time to go, and that's fine. Jesus is clothes. right here with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm ordering my last pizza on the phone. Come on. You know, it's, yeah. But like I said, faith is progressive, brothers and sisters. I say it all the time. Uh, you have to keep it in your mind that faith is progressive. I'm becoming more and more faithful. It's not like you all of a sudden you're saved and then you have this giant vat of faith. You learn faith. It is learned. Um, it is earned uh, by God. God earns your faith. And that's what Jesus is saying. I've done everything that you should have this faith. Jesus basically expects more from them after seeing what they've seen. We're taken to the point where our faith... and brothers and sisters this is the truth we are taken to the point where our faith will fail it's not a surprise it's not that God's it's not that God's not watching it's that he's there when you're getting to the point where your faith is failing God is actively right here right now just like he was in the boat with them he's right there with you he's taking you there it's not happening and you have to say oh jesus do you see what's happening goes, yeah i'm causing it you know i'm allowing it i'm i'm doing this what do you mean do i see it you know and which is basically the same thing here that storm didn't come was not a surprise that storm was planned it was exactly what should have been where it was um the second time jesus calms a storm in chapter 14 a couple chapters from now something really interesting happens you talk about, just to give you an idea of what I'm saying about faith is progressive. Jesus isn't in the boat. So this time it's a little tougher. We can't see him. But he does come walking out onto the water. So now he comes to them. Now we can see him. Though he was always knew where they were. He always knew what peril they were in. He always, he always knew. 
And this time, Peter says, let me get out of this boat, which is the only place you can live. You know, huddle into the boat and hope the boat makes it. And he tries to walk out to Jesus. Now we focus on his failure. But man, he got out of the boat. And he's the only one that got out of the boat. You know, we could talk about him sinking, you know, but honestly. But once again, even him getting out of the boat and sinking is his faith going to the point where it fails. So what I'm saying is the second time the storm happens, we could see his faith progressed. Yeah. He's not in the boat screaming, Jesus, come here and save me. He says, Jesus, let me come to you. So something had really changed in these couple of chapters. This event changed him. So even when he fails and he gets out of the boat and starts to sink and says, Jesus, save me, Jesus saves him. And now his, he was taken to the point where his faith failed again and Jesus brought him past that. It's how he does it in all of our lives. You know, you may not be in a boat, but man, you're, you're in something. And it's always, and whatever it is, that matters to you the most which for most of us is our our life our well-being i mean like i've always used the idea when you're in a car going over a cliff you'll find out what's important to you and um but we could actually see it happen in two events two like events this whole principle of god is sanctifying us he is changing us and how does he do it through storms that it's just that simple um, we fail when we look at the storm instead of looking at him. And, and you have That's to learn to do that. I mean, it's natural to look at the storm. It's what the world taught us to yeah. do. It's what we naturally do. Um, it's in front of us. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. The difference in our witness is how we handle those storms. Right. When they see you get out of the boat, it changes the world. It change, More than anything you're going to say, you know, more than any money you'll put in the plate, more than you know anyway 27 back to the this storm the men were amazed and said what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him now I want you to remember that this wasn't the only boat uh, on this account there were two boats uh, there was a Jesus and his guys his disciples and then there was people from the crowd the people who Jesus said, you know, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you. Well, they followed him, and they saw it all happen. It doesn't say any of them perished, but they watched all this happen. So, these are most likely the people who are saying this. But even, even the disciples, after all they've seen, after all the teaching they've heard, it's still an oh wow moment. To have it go from a hurricane to a sea of glass because he spoke a word you start to oh my and throughout scripture whenever people no matter how righteous they were no matter how many things you know how many things moses had seen that god done man there are times when he's just astounded it's like i have i has not seen ear has not heard <laughs> is what scripture says what awaits those who love the lord um I don't think anybody sees or understands who exactly what the word title God is. Um, we take it as far as our mind will let us, and then God just goes way past that. You know, you 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 don't even comprehend who I am and what it is I That's do. What I was going to say they didn't realize who he was, and they didn't realize that Jesus who he was. And even if they did, they didn't understand what that meant. Yeah. What power? Yeah. What? <laughs> they didn't understand what Lord meant. 
you know, truly. And, and these were pretty. These were the cream of the crop. These were the these were the people Jesus picked. These were the best of the best. And they still had to learn this. Uh, there are t so many times in Scripture where even an angel of the Lord shows up, and these righteous, mighty men of the Lord fall to the ground. Don't kill me, you know, like wow, you know. And um, I do look forward to that, to being astounded. Uh, I I just do. And uh, yeah, God is so good to us. Anyway, remember that the boat there were not just the twelve, and exactly who it was Jesus was was becoming extremely clear. Uh, verse 28. When he came out to the other side into the country of Gardenus. I guess that's a gar... Gatherings? Gatherings, yeah. Where I put an R where it didn't belong. Gatherings. Two men who were demon-possessed met him, and they came out of the tombs. Okay. They're on that side of the lake. Jesus does a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of healings. He talks about the cost of following him. They follow him. They go into a storm. They cross the lake. And these two demon-possessed guys show up on the shore. Uh, and these are not just your usual, you know, demon-possessed guys. These guys are nuts. I mean, they are dangerous. They are well-known. Oh, and it's interesting that it says two. Because the narrative in a lot of places talks about him conversing with one so you could forget there's two. But just, just a little point to remember that. They were so extremely violent that no one could pass by that way. Uh, Luke provides uh, a more detailed account. Uh, it's a little bit richer. The town of Gadara was about eight miles southeast of the Sea of Galilee. Everyone in the area knew who he was and what his problem was. The person, the demon-possessed guy. I'm going to go singular here. People in the nose stayed away from where he was. He was just plain dangerous. If you saw him, you went the other way. He was dangerous and had to be dealt with on other occasions. They tried to deal with him. It didn't work well. In the tombs refers to a small caves carved into the rocks where they buried people. So basically, uh, on a hillside, they would carve out a little enclave. And the guy just lived there. You know, these two guys, they just lived in a, a little... In a, yeah. Like a mausoleum. Yeah, yeah, honestly. And, you know, no cover, nothing, just running wild. Uh, I don't even know how they ate. Now, I'm going to do a little sidestep here, and we're going to talk about demons and casting them out and all that <coughs> before we go through the account here. Just remember, I'm sort of stepping away, and then I'm going to step back. Uh, Jesus cast out demons, as did his disciples in his name. Uh, I don't remember anything before this about that. I don't know if you guys do. Anything in the Old Testament about demons being cast out, uh, I uh, nothing comes to my mind. So, this is big stuff. Now, obviously this guy is well known to be demon-possessed. Uh, but anyway, this casting out of demons, it is proof of who Jesus was and his authority in the spiritual realm. Now, he'd already proven his authority over physical. He, he's healed people. He, he's done. He, he stopped the storm. I mean, his, his authority and power over top of creation was evident. So now he makes the step, and he talks, uh, talks about him proving to everyone right up front. Because this isn't just one where somebody brought their kid who was demon-possessed in, in, inside the house. This guy, everybody knew there was already a crowd 
this guy was dangerous and uh, anyway so this is all about him proving who he was spiritually now these were not mental health healings though a lot of the things that happen here you could see as mental health issues uh, as the interactions and description of these events speak to outside forces being dealt with not just a problem with somebody's brain but a problem from the spiritual realm it goes beyond that I'm not saying that it doesn't sound like it uh, and if Jesus is healing mental health issues I don't know of anybody that heals even us now that actually heals mental health issues we just sort of Mastodon. medicate them uh, but anyway either way but honestly in these cases it is uh, obviously a spiritual battle it also appears that demonic activity was at an all-time high as we reach the zenith of the spiritual timeline on earth Jesus Christ is here everything that the Old Testament pointed to this is the culmination of the will of God the only thing left is him's return I mean we've been building to this for the longest time and ta-da this is it and Satan knows it Every, you know the whole spiritual community understands what's going on even the evil forces knew what was transpiring at this time and place Jesus gave his 12 well but also realized that Jesus at times gave his 12 disciples authority to cast out demons from Matthew 10 1 which is two chapters from now Jesus summoned the 12 and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out until every kind of disease and every kind of sickness physical and spiritual physical and spiritual he gives his people this now at this time it's the 12 it's progressive the the guys who are ready for this he gives it to them in Matthew 10 and in Luke 10 he then sends out 70 disciples of his followers to spread the gospel and to do miracles when they return they told Jesus they cast out demons in his name and this is what Jesus uh, replies now this demon stuff and casting out demons there's a whole lot of interest from this from the world all the movies that are out there all the you know uh, anyway I'm not even going to go into it half the things that are that have any spiritual content in them at all that are offered through entertainment have something to do with demons um, so the, he sends out his 12 he gives them authority then he sends out 70 and it just says he sent them out to heal the sick and, and they come back and say hey even demons are listening to us and he says to them something really important that we all need to understand because you can really go down the rabbit hole on this demon stuff Luke 10 20 nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven in other words don't make this a big deal don't make it the focus of your life here on earth um, you know I've spent some time in the uh, charismatic or the Pentecostal movement and man they were casting out demons left and right uh, this is what they said they were doing um, I, I'll leave that between them and God uh, but it became part of uh, their Christian walk and what Jesus Jesus is purposely going out of his way to say dude what really matters here 
is you're going to heaven. That's what matters. This stuff, you know, yes, you did it, and yes, it was me who did it through you. Uh, in the book of Mark, Jesus' last words to the eleven disciples spoke to the signs that would follow those who believe. So Jesus is leaving. He's having his last conversation with his guys, the guys who are going to take this into the world. You know, you become the light. Now you're the light. I was the light, now you're the light. And he takes some of the signs that would follow those who believe. And the purpose of that isn't to show that you have power over demons, it's to show the proof of whose you were. That your words mean something. All of this is being done. All these demons are being cast out in public so that Jesus' words and the words of the disciples would mean something. They were proof. Mark 16, 17 through 19. These signs will accompany those who have believed. This is Jesus' leaving and giving, telling them this is what's going to happen. In my name, most important part of this, me, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Well, didn't that happen at Pentecost? They will pick up servants. They, well, was not Paul bitten by a, a viper. They will drink uh, any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So, before Jesus leaves and they're going... Uh-oh, now what do we do? Jesus gives them, I'm not just leaving, I'm give, this will let you know that I'm here with you. And these things will prove and give you the authority to say the things I want you to say. In other words, you're filling in and doing what I did. At least for now. Why? Because it's all about the words. That's what this is about. It's all about the word. The, when it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 and it talks about speaking in tongues which it says here it says until all these things will happen until that which is perfect comes well for me that which is perfect is sitting right in front of me that's the word of God because before there is scripture there is just these guys and how do you know which guys are telling you the truth of God they're doing these things that's the proof that's why you don't see these things today out in public. I mean, people may say it happened in my church, but man, this is stuff that's happening out in the town square. So there is a time and a purpose for everything. There is a time and a purpose. It's almost like this is their business card. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Uh, as Frank said, it, it was their business card. It was their, the seal on the business card from the king saying, this is these are my people pay attention to them now once the word is codified and the word becomes the word they don't need to do that anymore now we have the word and anybody that shows up and tells you that they have something additional to the word of god they better be raising the dead and it better be in absolute accord with what's already there other than that tom pay no attention to them i think mike wants to join what's up mikey anyway so um so Jesus tells them straight up, you know, you're going to be able to do these things. Now, there's a whole lot of us that have taken that and expanded it all the way up to present day. And I'm not saying God doesn't do these things, or he can't, or he won't. 
I'm just saying not like this. God could do amazing things, still does amazing things. Are people still demon-possessed? I would say yes. Or do people, does God still cast out demons from people? I would say yes. But it's not like this. Now, in the book of Acts, we have accounts of some believers, uh, several times it was Paul, publicly casting out demons. But after that, after the foundation of the church, there was little to no mention of any teaching regarding casting out demons. Uh, after the book of Acts, look for it. See if you can find it. I mean, they, they, Paul's letters say very little about casting out demons, but he does recognize their existence and the hostile influence, as do other writers of the epistles. But nobody is casting out demons. There's, it's just not there. Now, their letter to the churches, but it's not saying go out and do it. It's not saying do it in the church. Uh, there's nothing. No, because their letter to the churches... There's nothing that indicates that a believer was ever possessed by a demon or that tells us to go around trying to cast them out of believers. Uh, nothing tells us that. There's an account of people other than the disciples casting out demons after Christ. And in that account, the demons kick the crap out of the guys trying to cast them out. And yet people other than the disciples were casting out demons in his name while Jesus was still there. So while Jesus was there... Uh, it, well, I'll read them to you. Uh, Jesus, that's where Jesus said the famous, if they're for us, they're not against us. Acts 19, 7, 11 through 17. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. All of this is to validate the words of Paul, the letters that he wrote that we now read as the word of God was backed up by this stuff. But also some Jewish exorcists. So obviously there were exorcists before this. We just don't have any scriptural account of it that I can find anywhere. But they say it, it is said here in Acts as a given. Who went out from place to place attempting to name over those who had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches seven sons of uh, Heva S-C-E-V-A a Jewish chief priest were doing this so there were these seven sons of a Jewish chief priest who were going around who were seeing what Paul was doing and had saw what Jesus had done apparently and uh, they were going around trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus, also in using the name of Paul. And it says, The evil spirit answered and said to him, I recognize Jesus. I know about Paul, but who are you? Uh, the man in whom the evil spirit was the evil spirit leapt on them, subdued all of them, seven of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This is doing something that God did not call you to do, did not tell you to do, and trying to do it for your own glory. This became known to all. That's important. Both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus, the fear fell upon all of them, and the name of the Lord was being magnified. So everybody knew what happened and why it happened. They knew exactly what the demon said. Who are you? I, but do you see what credence this gives Paul, this event? 
I mean, even the church of that, when we read Ephesians, I mean, there's some really, I mean, extremely powerful scripture there. But the demon saying, I know who Paul is. I don't know who you are. This gives a lot of credence to Paul in a, in a town where he's ministering. Now, in Mark 9, 38 through 40, John said to him, Teacher, we saw, and this is the other account. Now, this is the account where people decided, I'm going to go cast out demons in Jesus' name after Jesus is dead and ascends to heaven. This account happened while Jesus was still walking in Galilee. And uh, so, basically, let me read it to you. John said, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. Uh, we, you know what they're saying? We don't know who he was, but he was doing it. That doesn't mean Jesus doesn't know who he is. And we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. He wasn't one of us. Jesus said to him, Don't hinder him, for there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name, which obviously it says he was casting out demons in your name, uh, and be able soon afterward to speak evil of me, for he who is not against us is for us. So what Jesus is saying, the fact that the demons actually left, tells you that this person knows who I am and they have my authority. He says, it doesn't say that they were trying to cast out demons, no one who cast out demons in my name. Now, compare this to the person who tried to cast out the demons, the seven guys in his name who didn't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is saying the very fact that the demons left tells you his proof, his proof that they're okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, if they had got the crap beat out of them, you should have said, went up to them and said, <laughs> don't do that again, you're going to get the crap beat out of you. That's basically what you should have done. Let me see where we're at here. I do lose track at times. It's okay. Oh, 57 seconds. Come on, Jeff. Anyway, we'll figure this out. If they did this in my name and it worked, don't mess with it. We know what happened when his name was invoked by the ones who did not know him. Do not undermine the value of in your name. It is the proof of who Jesus is. It validates his words. And it validates his presence in you. Um, we are left, because scripture is here now, we are left to live scripture. We don't have to do these things to validate what we say, what we do. All we need to do is obey scripture, live scripture, and let it do what it does. The Holy Spirit will do it. It's already here. It's done. We don't need to go around casting out demons, doing all these sorts of things. You know, uh, having spent some time in a world where that was, and never really feeling comfortable with it, and just thinking, this just isn't right, you know. Um, and being young when it happened, I at least have that excuse. Uh, but I look back and I learned. You know, I, I look at it now and I, I've learned. Um, I don't know. I know that God still does these things uh, when it's, but for a full different reason than this. Uh, let me give you a little richer account of what happened here. Uh, Luke eight twenty seven through forty. And when he came unto the land, we're back at the original story. We talked about casting out demons, and hopefully you have a little better understanding of uh, what orthodoxy is on it. I'll just say it that way. What I really believe. Uh, this is all about and how to apply it to today's life uh, but we're returning back to the original account where Jesus comes across the lake and the demon possessed guy is there 
And when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man. This one says one man, but apparently one, the one guy is the ringleader, and he's the most dangerous of all. But we know there's two of them. Uh, by a man from the city who was possessed with demons, who had not put any clothing for a long time, and was not living in a house but in the tomb. So basically, he pulls up on shore, and this naked dude runs out all furious. In the... I've been there. I've seen this. Um... <laughs> I've handcuffed these people and taken them to get help. Um, I will say this, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. There's something, I'm not saying demon possessed. I'm saying people that are in this sort of, uh, I'll use mental health. When you see someone who is psychotic or you're near them, you can feel it. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. But anyway, so imagine this this whole crowd's there this very dangerous buck naked dude comes running up to jesus i mean don't you know this is real stuff and everybody in the crowd's going uh-oh we know who that guy is but here's what happens the dude who attacks everybody he sees jesus he says he cries out and fell before him and said in a loud voice what business do we have with each other jesus son of god most high I beg you, do not torment me. This guy who tormented everybody who walked by sees Jesus, falls to the ground, and begs him to leave him alone. Jesus didn't say a word. But, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. It doesn't say he says it. It just says he commanded it. For it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles, and kept under guard. And yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon of the death. They couldn't handle him. Uh, an army couldn't handle him. The guards couldn't handle him. Jesus shows up, he falls to the ground and quivers. Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion, for the demons, for many demons had entered him. They were imploring him. The demons were imploring Jesus. So now we're having a conversation between Jesus and the demons. The dude is just there. And the whole group is watching this. Not to go away into the abyss. Because uh, Jesus obviously has the authority and power to do that. And they know it. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And the demons implored him to, to permit them to enter the swine. Instead of going into the abyss. And he gave them permission. Which is interesting because what happens after that is just as astounding as what happens when he delivers him. In other words, Jesus even uses that to show his power. The demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Uh, okay. They're watching. People are seeing this happen. They're hearing the conversation. They see, Jesus says, all right, enter the swine. And the swine take off and drown themselves. The demons came out of the man and entered the swine. The herd rushed down the steep bank and was drowned. When the herdsmen saw what happened, they ran away and reported to the city out in the, and out in the country. So, you're watching your pigs. And uh, we'll have a lot to say about that. But let me just finish this up and we'll, we'll leave it at that. Because we're out of time. The people went out to see what happened. They came to Jesus and found the man whom the demon had uh, gone out of sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, 
and they became frightened. There it is again. Who is this guy? Those who had seen it reported how the man who was demon-possessed was made well. And all the people... Of the, so we had this large crowd that witnessed it. The herdsmen, the guys who were with Jesus, weren't leaving Jesus. But the herdsmen who saw this, well, who were responsible for the pigs? The pigs. You got, I mean, you, first off, there's two reasons. Number one, we just saw this. Number two, we didn't do this. I am not responsible for them pigs floating out in the lake right now. So, anyway... Uh, all the people of the country and the surrounding church asked them to leave them. <laughs> they were gripped with great fear and got in the boat and returned. So he does this. The dude shows, Jesus shows up at this town. A demon-possessed man runs down. He casts the demons out in the pigs. The pigs, find, the people show up and go, get out of here. <laughs> Whoa, whoever you are, leave us. We, we were better off we were less afraid of the demon-possessed guy who was beating the crap out of people who we couldn't control than we are of you. We are afraid of you. But even the demon knew who he was. Even the demon knew who he was. You're the son of God. Yeah. And, and the people had to hear that. And they were afraid of him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were asking him for a favor. <laughs> okay. Then there's this sweet little part that is in, in the other Gospels. And this is really cool. So the people show up and they go, oh my, they see the dead pigs, they, they hear the account and they go, man, you got to go, <laughs> uh, please leave, and you, you can, I imagine they were very nice about it, <laughs> I mean, when somebody with that kind of power shows up, especially, you know, remember the storm on the land, the people are telling the stories, the people that came in the boats, they're telling what they saw, the lepers, and these people are like, oh my, you know, could you please leave? And I'm sure they were very nice about it, you know. I'd ask them to stay. Well, right. <laughs> Please but, stay. <laughs> I mean, see it from their point of view. These, This is a town that probably has never heard of him, that had never seen what he had done, and this is <clears throat> right in front of them. They're like, uh-oh. And remember how many times we said the people were afraid. The people were afraid. The people were afraid. Well, we're afraid of things we don't understand. This is the sweet part, verse 38 of this. But the man from whom the demon had gone out was begging him, that he might accompany him. But he, Jesus, sent him away, saying, Return to your house and describe what great thing God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great thing Jesus had done for him. Proclaiming to the people who had just sent Jesus away. He now becomes the witness for Jesus. He's the witness that Jesus left behind. And Jesus returned. The people welcomed him back where he was. For they had been waiting for him. This all, these people had been waiting. When he left, those people waited there. Before he crossed the sea and the storm came. When he came back, they were still there. They were like, where's he at? Um, we'll leave off there. Um, we'll pick up. But I want you to know, it says, Scripture tells us in Mark, there were 2,000 pigs. <laughs> That's a lot of pigs. Now, just think about what pigs mean to Jews. And you'll see there's an interesting side to this story. Bacon. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> unclean animals. They're not allowed to yeah, they're, they're not allowed to associate with them, they're not allowed to raise them, they're not allowed to do commerce in them. Uh, so it's kind of interesting. We'll leave off there. There is a lot more in it, but uh, uh, one go ahead. Quick um, aside. 
they said that this was the land of the Gadarenes. Yeah. Gad was one of the tribes. Right. It was, he was one of the sons Right. Of it was that area that was given to them that had just become a town. Yeah. But at one time, it was an entire land, right? Thank you for pointing that out. You know, when it's, it's easy to, to drive past that, but it all means something. Yeah. Like where it was means something. I always try to point out, you know, he went from here to here. He did all that stuff. He goes back there, and those people are still sitting there waiting for him. But They're that like, was a Jewish yes. area. Oh, no, this, this isn't uh, the land of, uh, you know, of, uh, Gentiles. You know, these people know who, you know, they know what should be and shouldn't be. So it's just an interesting thought, which we'll we'll pick up on the two thousand pigs next time. Uh, well, yeah, a legion of soldiers, and they had a legion of demons in them. So. Yeah, yeah, <coughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. Yeah, Roman legion was six thousand. Yeah, that that's a lot of demons. Yeah. Um, and there's other teachings on demons that I didn't get to uh, where. Um, about a house being cleaned out and if it's not cleaned out and it comes back you're worse off than when you started verse 28 uh, Mark 5 8 oh, I have to write that down verse 28 Mark 5 8 page 19 that's a lot for me to remember let me try to write that down so I pick up at the right spot uh, any questions about the demon stuff uh, it needs to be addressed because there's a whole lot of other teaching out there that is not what we would call uh, Hoyle by uh, Methodist standards uh, and by most what we will call evangelical standards. Um, there's a whole group of us who are out there trying to cast out demons and blaming everything on demons. I mean, I remember Lisa, uh, who's been fighting with uh, uh, headaches. Head, headaches and migraines, people telling her that she needed to have demons cast out and I said Lisa don't 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 even go there no. you know don't yeah and Jesus gave authority to those folks to drive out demons he knew their hearts and they weren't going to like Amen. what I can do you know and I'm not saying well first off Lisa's a Christian yeah there's no way a demon is possessing her. Can a demon bother her? Sure, but yeah. can he possess her? No. no. Uh, then, then Satan is greater than God. Um, I don't know how you got there or how that happened, but uh, but uh, you know what? It, it all comes down to uh, the need to be powerful or to be important uh, to. Sh to show God and sum up to show God to the world or to the church in some other way than obedience, <laughs> you know, I'm special because I can do healings. I'm special because I cast out demons. I'm special because I can give prophecy. None of those things make you special. What did not First Corinthians tell us? What makes you special is love. All these other things, faith, hope, and love—they're the, the greatest of these—is love. That you know, they use First Corinthians all the time to validate what they do and yet that first corinthians 13 is paul telling them don't do this don't make this the most important thing right. in, in your christian walk that's what and the world, they use it to do that that's what the world does that's exactly what the world does the world wants to see and how many times do you hear people say if only i would see a miracle if you know if i would see someone healed if i would you know all these sort of things hey there's a whole world that saw jesus do these things and they crucified him 
don't believe it for a second. Because when he doesn't do what you want him to do, or back what you want him to back, and if you're following him for any other reason than you love him, and you see him as Savior and Lord, you will eventually cry, give us Barabbas. You'll do it. And it's all just it's fluff. True. You will. It, it'll, it'll fall apart. interesting thing on the news, it was a country western singer. He was an atheist. He lost one of his kids or something. He was an alcoholic. And his befriended a pastor and he changed and he says the reason I changed is I seen Jesus in him there you go he had something I didn't have yeah. and it wasn't that I, he was raising the dead or speaking in tongues yeah, or casting Jesus out demons or him. or promising yeah. them money or that right. wealth or yeah. health or any of those things it's because it's the most important yeah. thing yeah. I've he ever seen the guy and took care of him yeah. It's the most important thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It makes me think of Rosaria Butterfield, who, um, I'll send you some information. It, it is our witness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the scripture say? When, when uh, you walk in the hope that you have, and the world sees that hope, and they ask you where it comes from, be ready to tell them. Yeah. That's your witness. Yeah. Don't make anything up. Don't pretend to be more than you are. Be what you are. And when it makes a difference in someone's life, be ready to tell them where it comes from. And, well, of course, you're here doing this, so you know that. Yeah, it's not so, me. Any questions or comments or anything about uh, the demon thing? Because it, it seems so prevalent here, and then it just seems to go away. Uh, hopefully we have a little better understanding of that. Um, and yet we still try to drag it along with us into here, even though... You know, and all the epistles and all there's nothing there um, just saying you know think it through for yourself uh, let's pray Lord we come before you and I thank you for your word and I thank you for your spirit explaining it to us and Lord we just ask that your word find a home in our hearts and when it does it changes us so that we're part of the light not part of the darkness in this world I ask that you watch over my brothers and sisters make them strong wise brave and compassionate and help them to glorify your name and what they think, what they do, and what they say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.